Get ready to buckle up because on the She's Got Drive podcast, you remember that your brilliance is your birthright. I love Mexico. So I'm in Mexico right now. I absolutely adore it. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I love Spanish. I can't speak Spanish yet. I'm saying yet because that's one of my goals. By this time next year, at least get by with some better Spanish than what I'm doing right now, which is just shameful. But I absolutely adore the environment and um, I like a bit of spicy food. Listen, I've got to go to a place where I can get some spicy food. The peaceful, the landscape, the artisans, you know, I'm a creative at heart. If I wasn't doing what I was doing, I would definitely have been a designer and that would be like in, in terms of fashion designer versus interior design. It, it really inspires me when I'm here and I love being around other people of colour, communities as well that inspires me, you know, the black and brown, you know, there's, you know and, and the, the architecture, like all of it, the landscape, the environment, the climate, literally... I love it. Coming here to be on my work retreat has been so energizing as well as um, calming and peaceful, sourceful for me. And so I know it's a privilege to be able to travel and do this. I know that I've created that for myself too. So I, you know, I, I create my life and this is one of the things I absolutely love doing and will continue to do and build and maybe do but more frequently coming to Mexico to be honest because I absolutely love it but here I am and what it inspired me to do was to do an intro to the She's Got Drive podcast outside whereas I've never done that before and um, I know we're only just starting to do video now but I've never done that before and I thought well why not why the hell not so here we are um, with the intro to this week's episode I don't know how you're doing remember if you're if you haven't started I'm harping on about goals because we're over halfway through the year and I know that we start the year so inspired around stuff and so there's that now the other thing I want to yes I want to stay there I want to stay in the positive I want to stay in the energy of the positive this week that's what I'm feeling I'm feeling there's been shit that's been going down we know I don't want to go there I'm not going to go there in this episode because look at this beautiful place I don't want to bring that into the place. I want to stay in the positive. And that's another thing that we can do. We can. We don't have to lean in to all of the negative stories that are out there because there's always going to be. Trust and believe tomorrow more shit will happen. Trust and believe more shit will happen. So sometimes I think we have to be choiceful about what, what we allow into our space, what we start to engage in, what we start to talk about. And then I think that's true um, now too. So... I'm not going to go into anything else. I'm going to stay in the positive and stay in this beautiful um, Nirvana energy that I'm in um, before I head out. And so it is absolutely appropriate that the person I'm introducing today is Bernadette Pleasant. Now, Bernadette Pleasant is a transformational coach and she does it. She does embodied work. She uses dance, self-expression. She allows people to get into and in touch with themselves in a very powerful way. It was a fantastic interview that I had with her and I left so inspired and energize you are going to absolutely love her so if you are someone who's not in your body you know who's not really in touch with your body who doesn't sense into it you're going to get a lot out of this interview and um, she's just wonderful so you should follow her as well I mean you should follow all my guests on on socials and get to know them even more but you will love 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 her so it is absolutely appropriate that I'm here and I'm going to introduce you to Bernadette Pleasant 
Bernadette, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on She's Got Drive. Shirley, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to share with um, the She's Got Drive listeners what you do, and then we're going to get into how you got there. Like how I got here? Okay. I'm Bernadette Pleasant. I am the creator of the Emotional Institute. The Emotional Institute studies and and makes and normalizes the expression of emotion. And there we get to move through emotion to explore them. And when I say emotions, I literally mean the full range of them. But mm-hmm. primarily these days, there is a focus in anger and grief. As okay. you can imagine, there's just such a need for that emotion to be uh, delved into. Why did you start this institute and when did you start it? I feel like the institute... It was in me from a very early age. I I, I started my business about 18 years ago, Mm -hmm. but I there was there was this coming to this awareness that it wasn't okay for me to you know live a half-assed emotional life. (laughs) I mean to be stifled and to have shame around real feelings Mm. and it never felt right in my body to hold back tears or to not be able to speak my truth if there was an injustice and I noticed the kind of bristling and the kind of shaming that came with expression just Mm. natural expression joy you know people folks trying to contain their laughter I I mean it, it always felt wrong in my body and so I think in many ways I've always looked for relief somehow and mm-hmm. and there came a time after divorce and big changes in my life um a, a suicide attempt a nervous breakdown you it there it was an avalanche of things going on and that constriction and tightness of what mm-hmm. I was to do and not to do and how to do and what's too much and all that kind of stuff only amplified the experience I was having in my body because there was no outlet. Right. And, and you know, I didn't, I spent some years on the couch talking to a therapist and I, amen. And I, but I got to a point where I needed to growl and, you know, I couldn't talk anymore. I couldn't talk anymore. (laughs) I could not regurgitate this story one more time. And I got my body wanted to do something Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find the it. So I created it. That's how this work was born, because I knew I needed to move emotions. And what I saw around me was a whole lot of controlling emotions Mm -hmm. and containment. Right. But really poor attempts to do so and watching people's spirit get old and and crusty and and just bitter because outlet. Yeah. I created it. Yeah. When you think when you're saying about screaming, it reminded me of this moment after my dad died. Mm -hmm. And um, like immediately after I would at first I would just would go in I'd drop the kids off and then I'd go into my house and close the curtains and lie on the sofa and then there was this point where I just thought oh you can't do this yeah 
that's no, that is not what you're going to do. Right. And then I started to, to run mm-hmm. and, um, and then I would, I would run really early in the morning in the park across the road okay. and I'd get out there at 6 a.m. And because I felt like, cause no one was around, I could have the freedom to scream. Yes. Yes. And it just reminded me of that. And it was really like, I, I just needed to scream. And I knew that I, if I did that in any other setting, people would be like, is she mad? Is she lost her mind? And I would have felt constrained. So that's what I did at 6 a.m. I would just like be in the park running and screaming and crying. Yes. Now, absolutely brilliant of you because your body knows what it needs. Right. And I think that happens for so many people. There's this, I I know what I need, but right away after that immediate thought, that core thought, I need to scream. I need to cry. I need right. to, I need to, yeah, I need to, I need to breathe. Whatever it is, because it's not always loud. Sometimes I need to stretch and put it in my muscles. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I need to rest. And sometimes I need to just really think about the fact that I've been shallow breathing throughout life and I need to deeply inhale and let the exhale out. But our bodies know this, just like you knew that there was this, the couch wasn't going to give it to you. Right. It can suffice for a moment, and then sometimes the body really needs something. And once that core knowing is there, what starts to happen is these secondary things start to peck away at it. You right. Know, is it too loud? Is it too much? Are people going to think I'm crazy? I don't right. Know. There's an attack on the knowing. And that's when most people don't find themselves at 6 a.m. running and screaming and crying. Right. They need. They are eating they are yes shopping was my thing you know yeah shopping they are drinking there yes drugging you name yes. it numbing out because that scream right in there the problem with burying emotions is that we bury them alive <laughs> wow so yeah so you know these things are alive in us and they are meant to be expressed in a healthy way, never hurting oneself or another, but in a really healthy way. I always think of the example of weather mm-hmm. and how our if we can just imagine that our feelings are like a brilliant sunshine or a, a thunderous storm mm-hmm. or, or snow, whatever it is, Sometimes it's just just a, a soft, gentle rain. But if we can imagine our emotions like that and just accept it like weather, instead of saying, "I wonder if people are going to think the rain is crazy," if it's <laughs> rain too much, it's, you know, it's, you never say that. You right. never. The rain's just the rain. It's just the rain. Right. right. So be, be the rain and let it happen. Let your body it it literally makes you a healthier, physically healthier yes, person. So the work I do in the world is creating safe containers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I always I, I would love to add this piece because I want to create spaces that feel like the safety of a womb. Mm. And when I say that, it's because sometimes it needs to be private. Sometimes it mm. needs to be in a in a dark and quiet space. But you know, like that womb, it is a space where you grow. So we're not going to just get comfortable up in there and live this forever and ever and ever. Amen. 
because the grief or any particular emotion, it's like weather. The weather patterns change. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they change all the time if we right. allow them and if we and if we are willing to feel it, to be with the intensity of it, because we're not getting over it. We're getting through it. Yeah, I was just gonna say this is like the wet just like the the weather moves through. Mm-hmm. Like our 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 emotions and what's happened to us, we we can move through it. But the only way through is through, right? It really is. But when we don't do that, you're right. It, has, it goes somewhere. And there's the one part about tuning into yourself and your body. And there's the other part around managing the, that internal voice. Yes. That's the societal voice, really, yeah. of judgment that stops us from doing what really serves us. Indeed. Yeah. And that's the other, the, the, the other recently, my children are, my daughter is, uh, has just graduate, graduated to high, high school and she's going to go off to college and she's going to go to Europe. I caught myself, as I said, shared it with my therapist, I caught myself about three or four weeks ago, like buying these really expensive things. Like all of a sudden I need a suit at 800 Like I wouldn't normally, like I'm done, I'm not spending money like that. Do you know what I mean? And I just saw like, I just woke up to like, I've just spent how much in the last two, three weeks? And then I knew it was I was self-medicating. Totally. I knew it was just like, it's to do with, it's the end. She's finished the school. This is all about, this is you. This is you responding to what's happening. So, and as soon as I saw that, the, the desire to spend disappeared. You know, it's not, it's not there anymore. The medicine is when you can turn the light on it. You know, when we are experiencing Grief shows up in so many ways, and there there's an, there are ingredients for it. Three ingredients. Loss, disappointment, change. Right. When we've experienced, even if we're happy about it. Yes. You've got to be happy for your baby girl going right. out to do this thing. I mean, how wonderful is that? But it's change. Mm-hmm. And, and a big change. And the bigger yes, the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's a loss of her being mm-hmm. there, her mm-hmm. being around her. And so loss isn't always someone people think of death, but no. Right. Loss is losing our our given rights as a human being. Right. Loss is having to wear masks because it wasn't safe. So right. there there's so many things that we don't move slow enough to realize we quickly go into distraction or mm-hmm. or coasting along past it like the like broadly defining loss yeah and loss loss can be so many things it, loss can be our jobs or our identities mm. loss can be you know i'm 57 so i'm not 56 anymore <laughs> right you know, like, there has been and 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 while there's body love at this age, I'm noticing some things are changing mm-hmm. and and I love this body, but she ain't what she used to be right. something else that I get to love, but there has been some things, so there are many things that can create this sense of grieving, so to greater and lesser degrees, but without without dealing with these things or taking the time to just acknowledge. Just shed light on it. This right. is what's happening in my body. I'm not fine. I'm right. I'm feeling many things just by calling those things out 
and having a place where you can say that, I think the things, the atrocities that I'm noticing on people's bodies and mental states, they are only with with suicides and yeah. and heart attacks and just and, and so young. There's so many oh so young they're dying in their fifties. Are and of heart attacks and strokes. It's record numbers, and there's so much that is not expressed, and we're experiencing an immense amount of of pressures all over the place, and so that needs a healthy outlet. You know, my work is in group form. I work in group form. I work privately with folks. I just started something where I am working with people one-on-one, just me and them in Kauai, because that place alone is healing, and then I bring them into this space where we get to you, you know, just focus on one person, but that's the kind of need that I'm seeing. Wow. How do, how are you teaching people to go past the, that internal, yeah. why well, I call it the internal critic or that internal voice that, and access what I call your warrior, right? So mm-hmm. because the warrior is going to fight for you, right? The warrior is going to allow you. So it's the warrior that gave me permission to scream, right? And it's the warrior that gave me that that made it makes it okay for me to just be present to my upset around my daughter leaving and and be excited and happy for her at the same time you know you can both can sit in the same space can occupy the same space so what what is the work that you do to help people to recognize one is tuning in for them to really listen to what as you said the body is speaking to you all the time (laughs) it's like and then the two is like to get past that internal critic that internal voice that's getting in the way well there there are many modalities that help what I would first say is to lead by example. We got these messages and no one said, don't laugh so loud. Don't cry so much. You, you, well, they did say that, things like that. But I, we get the messages by watching others. Right. And just like when we see someone that we want to emulate, it's because we, we witness them. And so it is important to me in this line of work to to live by example, uh, and don't get me wrong, I am a work in progress. Yes. With it. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I do emotional release work. <laughs> I'm all bottled up. <laughs> but, you know, it's it really is by use of example, by slowing down, by being there with someone, by creating the, I can't create internal safety for someone, but I can create an environment mm-hmm. that has all the elements um, that is unique for them to move through because this is, it, I, it's like this kind of coaching and movement work is, is like birthing. Mm. They're birthing their, what's true for them. And it's, it's such an honor to be a midwife to that. Right. Um, to, to know how to be this balance of support. And encouraging mm-hmm. and patient, and there's no way to get it wrong, but there is a way to get along a little yeah. along, and people move at their own pace, so it is really about connection and the quality of listening mm. 
the quality of listening to someone and to listen with every sense available. Mm. What am I noticing in this person? And it really, it does require, you know, the intimacy of, of eye contact and to really breathe with someone and to watch what comes up and what is needed and mm-hmm. ready for them to have some assistance with. In, in my work, I use, the, I have African drums a lot. The vibration of the drums lit in my, my classes are not dance classes. These are emotional gems, if you will, where people right. come and move through. I have created something called the emotional tour and it takes practice. It takes practice to do and undo all the learning that we got. Mm-hmm. So in the emotional tour myself or any of the teachers I've trained around the world to hold these classes where they are exercising these emotions and sounding them and the drums are playing to them so that they, they resonate in our bodies mm-hmm. and we get to feel the emotion and as opposed to numbing it. But what's really interesting is by the end of an emotional tour, if I'm doing that kind of class, what I see is relief on people's faces mm. and in their spirit. It, there's, they, they literally breathe deeper. Right. Because there's a rightness with moving this emotion and the way we, the way the tour is set up is set up to take care of people emotionally, but we move through um joy grief anger desire confidence and then there's playful flirt mm-hmm. flirt is really fun but flirt is not wanting something from another but being so full on you and so right with you and so on board with your grief and your anger and your confidence and your that you literally just make magic every place you look right right so it is really just dripping with like you know I, i'm i'm okay this here is a is a beautiful mess here and it's right awesome. when did where did you start in formulating the somatic work that you're doing like from the point of like so earlier you and you were sharing that you sensed the the that experience of having your emotions restricted didn't feel right so from that place to you training to teaching to creating your own somatic work yeah i'm fascinated with the body i'm a bit of a nerd about that (laughs) and and i mean i can't get my hands on enough trainings and readings to to really get a deeper understanding of it and while that's great and and the certificates are there for that there's nothing like being with the body being with a person and and spending that time you can read about a birth as long as much as you want but unless until you're in there right helping midwife a a a baby along and i say babies I, i think of when people are expressing an emotion it can feel like this beautiful birth mm-hmm. so that's that's what i refer to but yeah somatic studies really important to do and and 
other modalities like Reiki and hands-on mm-hmm. healing and just learning to doula people where they are. One of the things that I'm trained in is constellations. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about as you do your work in the body, are you also doing the work in relationship to their family systems? Are you driving that? Is it, does that come into it? Or no. are you focused on the just purely on like what's present for them and enabling and just being with what they that individual or the group needs? So often what comes up is discussion about what's in there and what they're going through. But specifically, I don't do constellations, but I sort of have a respect for that work because I've seen some beautiful healing come as a result of family constellations. Mm-hmm picture what it would be like if someone comes to you like what point are they coming to you I'm trying to think if the listeners are listening it's like what am I feeling that I would say I need to I'd like to do somatic work versus when people think about therapy yeah therapeutic intervention most of the time they're thinking about talking they are I would say versus having other than there's so many other interventions that you could use to deal with some things that are coming up for you in your life and this is clearly one of them and so what is it that people what's where where are are your clients before they come to you my clients are first of all the the emotional tour is is for anybody so that's something that the show of emotions the moving the body when anyone who who from people who are very expressed um to those who are completely shut down mm-hmm. it's, it's gentle it's for everyone in in the group setting we move from it's like on a built on a heart rate system so we kind of start off slow we end in meditation mm-hmm. this is really just a journey to move through using the drums really helps deepen the medicine and the practice and that happens in group form and during the pandemic i've moved it on to zoom we all i offer that class once a month and my teachers offer them on their own schedules mm-hmm. when I work with someone privately it's it's usually them needing to voice something I I do I'm a speech coach so a, a lot of times they are trying to get their words out some of my clients right now are working on books or TED talks and they because their t- subject matter can bring up a lot of emotions they they get this sort of paralysis mm-hmm. around speaking because it's one thing to know your truth it's another thing to grab a mic and speak your yeah. truth it makes it a different yeah. kind of real and all those fears that live in the body affect everything from the quality of our voice to you know the gate of our walk i'm i'm often asked you know to coach someone through a a rough time through a loss be that of a a job identity or a person that they've lost Mm -hmm. when they just want to go deeper in the practice of being with this thing or they feel that they can't approach these emotions whatever they are on their own that that is overwhelming and they need Mm -hmm. to coach them through Mm -hmm. that yeah Mm -hmm. I, I also get a, a fair amount of people who are just disconnected from their bodies. Right. They are just, if they don't feel it anymore, they've got this kind of dysmorphia about who they are. And, and or 
in, you know, how do, how do I move now that it, there's empty nesting or I've gone through a mm-hmm. divorce or I'm changing careers? It tends to be, I always say, people will say that the work feels like therapy, and I always think, well, they keep your therapist because I keep mine. <laughs> by yeah. all means, you know, when the body feels disconnected, when they are working from the neck up, Mm-hmm. really wanting to get in touch with this thing called body. Yeah. I, yeah. I love being there and offering that kind of support. Right. And there is, I mean, I think because we, uh, the world, particularly the work world, is really at work at disconnecting us from our body, isn't it? It's really mm-hmm. at work, really, and our emotions. And it's really only, I want to say, in the last few years where people have had permission to express some of their emotions in in the workspace and there's still limits around that and I think even in, since the the beginning of the pandemic that's even more permission that there's there are whole people in front of us so you know the acknowledgement of that is even really fairly recent it's like before that it's just like you come in you do a job and you go. Shirley you are absolutely right one of the things I'm most proud of of late is I, I worked with two hospitals recently for their entire nursing staffs. Oh. They are saying that what we are seeing in their eyes, literally from the mask up, they're seeing despondent. They're, they're, they are robotic because they have, as one hospital explained, that they have been trained to deal with the end of life, but the not only the volume in which they've mm-hmm. dealt with it during this time, they've dealt with it with half staff, their own fears of getting sick, and they've seen a concentration in ages 20 to thir- through 20s and 30s. Right. And that is not what they were prepared for. So right. the shock that is living in the body, and I love every time I get a call or a request to come and work, and I'm getting it from the corporate folks. They're saying we can't ignore this anymore. Right. We literally can't. We're, they're afraid of losing their half staff and so are willing to do something different. And so I'm grateful to have been doing this work that I, that now is being seen and sought after in other arenas because yeah. we need it. That's so, that's so great. I mean, when you think about, I mean, it's so hard to think about what the healthcare profession has gone through. And as you said, because they've also had to be present, supporting, because families, particularly in the early early months of the pandemic, weren't allowed in. So that was literally all the person had was the was the healthcare workers, right? Absolutely. So to again and again and again to be there at the end of life when you, and that may not have been the choice that you had made as a professional, right? And the right. palliative care nurse, for example. Um, so yeah, the volume and the sheer volume. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Such great work. Yeah. It's really beautiful to have, you know, it is, it's needed. It's been needed long before this, but to Mm -hmm. have, it's really creating this very human experience where people are seeing others as it's it's actually okay to not be okay now yeah it, it wasn't always yeah you had to put, keep pretending but now you can say i'm not okay right you can say i'm stressed yeah. out we've had you know 
Biles, like we've had people say, she was like, no, it's time to stop. I'm not doing And we have seen people take a stance. Um, We've experienced emotions that that ran the show of late and, you know, where people really just they're they're in in deep need of support Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and healthy outlets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering about, let's, I want to come back to more about you and your life, if that's okay. Come on. Okay, so where were you, where were you born? And like, tell us something about your family that had you, like, end up in this, in, inside of this noble purpose that you have. You know, I'm curious about that. Okay. your, Your family and where you grew up and how you grew up. Well, I'm a little brown girl from Newark, New Jersey, and <laughs> I've been a Jersey girl all my life, and I, I'm the oldest of seven. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No TV. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, what I will say is this stubborn Torian that I am, I went about a very different route I was always that one who was just not going to be okay with status quo okay I think as oldest I was given an ultimatum I I grew up in a family of Jehovah's Witnesses and I was given an ultimatum at 16 to stop seeing this boyfriend or marry him so of course being this you know angry teenage Mm -hmm. Korean thing I I'll show you I'll marry him (laughs) And so I got married at 17 years old. Wow. Come on. Yeah. No, no surprise there. There was that, that should not have happened for reasons. But 10 years later, I found myself out of the marriage, walked away from that religion because it just did not serve me. I had other ideas that did not fit in that box. It wasn't right. So I I learned to take these stands for myself and mm-hmm. I did them often alone. Yeah, there's a lot of courage in here. Mm. A lot of courage in here and a lot of trusting me. I'm I'm glad for that. I, I'm glad for the time I'll take to slow down to see what feels right in my body. Mm. I've learned when I override this amazing machine here. I always regret it. Right. So I would say that my upbringing certainly helped me learn to trust me Mm -hmm. and to slow down and to see what was really important to me and to trust that even if others didn't agree, I knew. And so I do that. Mm. I have a daughter who is incredible. Taryn and her husband are like I, I get giggly because uh, I'm I'm so happy, but and I'm the proud grandmother of three amazing, oh. amazing boys. Wow! Yeah, eighteen year old and ten year old twins, and I, I I got crushes all over the place. Made <laughs> up school girl crush, yeah. and my husband Ron. Yes, I am married, and yeah, it's just that's what we do here in Jersey. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm struck by how you use, like, when I talk about, we, I, I work on a program where I teach coaches to be coaches. Uh-huh. 
and we talk about our body being an instrument like in our work so when you speak about like tuning in and like the like the car your courage is coming from within yeah like the listening and so it sounds like from from that very certainly that earlier age in your 20s I can hear that the messaging was coming to you about following another path and listening and listening and listening indeed and it came from you know me questioning which was not okay (laughs) and I just well I need to understand why and I don't agree with that and when I would be met with you know just because or this is how we do and I still needed to know why it, it was it was met with a lot of irritation a lot of irritation and I didn't want to just rock the boat I just needed to understand right and I've never been okay with it's just the way it is I need to know why and and why can't we change it if we need mm. and if we need something other let's create it right if it doesn't fit then it doesn't fit right if it doesn't fit it doesn't oh. fit it yeah. doesn't yeah there's something here that needs to be fixed for it right. not right. for all but for some there is no one size fit all it just isn't and i think understanding that for myself really helps me as a grandmother and mom and coach and mm-hmm. like literally let people tell you what they need let's not prescribe to them what we right. feel they need to have right and to just slow down enough to look at and get to see people see what they what they are needing mm-hmm. prior to your work the somatic work and your you started your business 18 years ago what did you do before that what was I, your work prior to that i owned a bridal salon in new you york did? i did i owned a bridal salon for eight years and then after i sold it i went to work for vera wang and oh, wow so- that's like totally left field (laughs) and before that i was in reinsurance and publishing at the new yorker and the economist doing work there but yeah i owned a bridal shop and that was always that was funny because talk about something that was disappointing quite honestly as much as people would think it was about a whole lot of love i saw a lot of things but i didn't rarely saw love yeah that's right Um, yeah yeah it's so funny. Women used to say, oh, my God, that must be so amazing to work in a bridal shop. And men used to say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say there were, you know, it, it was an interesting thing. I love weddings. I love I love the beauty and the glamour of it. But I also I'm a hopeless romantic. And so my feelings got hurt when I noted when I started to see mergers and acquisitions and and. Uh, you know, my clock's ticking, so I need to do this. So, right. You know, the comparison of other people's weddings and, and all the politics that went into it. I was like, wait, where's the love here? Right. Yeah. Oh, got one of those. Oh my God. And I mean, it was rare, sadly, but when you, when I met a, a bride who literally loved the person they were marrying, I, yeah, it was a beautiful and mm. rare find. Yeah. It's so interesting because I remember when we were getting married and I've been married 20 years, right? Okay. But when we were getting married, our, our photographer, we were talking to her and we said, well, you know, can you, cause she, we were picking up the, 
with an album uh-huh. and she was saying I was saying how long do people usually take to pick up the album because it's really expensive and then she said some people never pick it up and I'm like what yeah you know because some people don't even make it to pick up the album uh, let me and, tell you and then she so we were like well can you tell she goes now I can tell she's done so many weddings so when you say that it's just like so you know like why they why are you getting married is the question like what is it well there why are you getting married yes and you and there's a there are plenty of tells i can tell you from doing that i i learned and and like i said i i pay attention to bodies i Mm -hmm. i so i mean people will tell you anything but their bodies never lie lie yes and so often it was what was expected of me. It is what I am to do. It is what mm-hmm. our family does. It is my mother, my father, you, it, all these outside folks. It really has an impact. And so imagine what's happening to that emotional body. This wow. person is literally doing all the things they, you know, air quotes should do. And therefore, they're they're not listening to the scream that right. is no don't do this I don't want to go I like and they're countering that every step of the way and then they end up somewhere and at some point they're like what the hell you know yeah, yeah. I I don't want this what was I thinking I they couldn't stop that snowball right. And then there's this whole shame thing that kicks in. So now that you've announced this thing, you must stick with it. I'm going to tell you something. I'm all for marriage if that's what people want to do. I think relationships is what matters. Mm -hmm. I really do. I could care less whether somebody made their way down in, in a dress and all of that stuff. To me, what matters is a solid, a beautiful, a supportive, a safe friend relationship right. where you get to you know take your teeth out and your bra off and just be right and be you and and that they get to do that and and that however you choose to spend your time that you do that in a way that that just feels good mm-hmm. yeah and I think everyone deserves to have that so when other things start to come in and start to create these weird measures about things that really shouldn't matter. You know, whose wedding is bigger, whose ring is bigger. Oh, my God. Who's got the fanciest affair and who can spend the most money on this and all kinds of things. It's it's not about the relationship. And, you know, I'm a believer in relationships Mm -hmm. and healthy ones. Right. Ones that are rooted in good communication and laughter and and genuine genuine care i love you bringing it back to the body bringing it back to the body keep bringing it back to like really inviting people as they listen to you listen to this conversation is to tune in Mm -hmm. and to just like spend a moment to just ask the question like what's going on with me what's happening to me what's what's the what's like what feels like authentic that I'm not allowing myself to hear, to get expressed, because it, it really is there. Like, it's always, always, always there, and we override it, and, I, and we override it for for so many, when this example around the wedding, so many shoulds. Yes. 
Yes. So many shoulds. Like if there's a, I should do this and I should do that. It's just like, oh, there's something else that is pressing. Right there. And you know, when all those shoulds come in and all those things come in, they're really loud. They're loud because they mm-hmm. have to go. They're, they're on this continuous wheel right. of, of uh, shooting these darts at you. And, and it's hard to hear a whisper when you're ducking and dodging yeah. and listening to all this loud thing. So there's a need to, that I, I will say it over again. I sound like a broken record, but I think it needs to be heard because we got the message to, to move fast and keep it going and to yeah. be distracted and to do all those things, but to slow down, to be comfortable with slowing down, mm-hmm. to asking yourself, what do I need right now? Yeah. And, then and, and sometimes the shits are really loud from other people too. I mean, it's totally. not just our own shits. It's like the people around us Absolutely. who are also on the same race, right? Wow. They're in the same race, like everyone's moving. And so even when you do want to slow down, the people around you may be going, what are you talking about? What are you, what are you? like yeah. that you're the one who's the oddball because you are in that context, but actually you're the one who's like, following the the path that feels more right for you absolutely and that takes that takes a certain kind of strength and courage Mm -hmm. to to do something different yeah to decide you know something's not right here or i i i wait a minute i need to y'all go on (laughs) because i'm gonna be right here and it's okay and so it to do something different when the propensity and the the what has been normalized is mm-hmm. rushing through uh really takes a special person really take with all the technology all the things that help us get things really quickly yeah slow down and do something retro like yeah this. it's really i think when you see the degree to which we've been kind of hypnotized by tech you know <laughs> into speed mm-hmm. And that speed is the answer and speed is great in so many ways. Yes. And at the same time, it, there's huge costs. Yeah. Right? There there's are huge costs. There's an, there's an, it's addictive. Speed right. Addictive. It creates a disembodiment. It creates a lack of patience. Mm-hmm. It creates, you know, whenever you're doing something fast, you really don't get to take whatever it is in. Right. So instead of reading something, we're skimming. Instead right. of, you know, talking to someone, we're texting. And then the what's what happens is so often the lines of communication um, are missed because yeah. the context isn't in the text. Uh, my husband was on a a um, interview for someone who's looking for a scholarship, young man came to the Zoom call to be interviewed to get money for college, wearing a white tank top, sitting back like he was playing, you know, he's, you know, what's up? They don't know how to connect. Right. And this here, you know, so much of, so many things can cause the disconnect, the the lack of awareness of what mm-hmm. you see. There's a need for mentorship. There's a need for connecting with others so that 
our next generations aren't seeing this fast paced thing so much Mm -hmm. that they don't know how to show up. Yeah, this is going to be a real challenge in the in, you know, one of the things around the workplace is people are having hybrid or having choosing to continue to work from home, but not connecting at, at all teams and stuff like that. I think we're going to see some real challenges there. And one of the things that I'm working with is some of my clients doing some retreats that bring the teams in yes. periodically at least to remember what connection feels like and to remember how actually you can get more achieved when you're in the room. And it yeah. doesn't mean that we do that all the time, but it means that we need to, we need to do that. So what, what connection breeds and what it creates and what it innovates. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy for us to forget that. I think it's going to be really interesting in the, as we go into the next few years with what you're speaking about, because the more disconnected, the more I can't even tune into what's going on with you, right? This time has really created, in some ways we've learned, it's 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 created some wonderful things. We've learned what's right. possible. We've learned we could do things that we didn't think we could do and that we could continue to work without going into places and putting ourselves mm-hmm. at risk. We yes. some things. I certainly did. Um, I figured out some tech stuff that I did not know before because I I had the luxury of doing something else. Yeah. And so there are some things that came out of this, but there's some other things that have come out of this. And that is a disconnection from other people. Mm-hmm. There's a longing for it. There's a there's a longing to be able to be in safe spaces. But when that was coupled with not only am I disconnected, but I'm disconnected because there's a health factor with mm-hmm. me. So there's, it's layered. And now as things start to open up, I'm noticing how people, it, there's, there's this desire and this fear right there presently. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about that because I think it's not just over here with me. Like what, what does it mean for you, the word courage and where does that, get expressed for you in your life and in your work? Yes. So the word courage for me, I love this question because I I love the feeling and sensation of courage. And it it certainly doesn't mean that I'm afraid. I'm not afraid because I am. I am. I'm I'm, I, the doubt is there. My little brown girl, the little girl that lives (laughs) in me, she right there shaking in her boots, trying to figure out (laughs) what I'm dragging her off to do right now. And, we all have the things that will cause us to doubt and worry, but there's also, it's also met with the, but it needs to happen. Right. It needs to be said. The book needs to be written. The course needs to be launched. I need to say me and raise my hand. Mm-hmm. And so that courage for me, I'll give you an example of how it showed up for me. I do public speaking and I love to do that work, but I also love coaching people in their speeches. Right. Um, the fear of public speaking is the number one fear out there. It, it has, it, it's above death. Right. Public speaking. So it takes a lot of courage to do that. And right now we have these incredible modalities for people to, be on platforms, this wonderful podcast here. There, so there are podcasts out in, in mm-hmm. 
any of them. There's their TikToks and, and Instagrams and lots of opportunities to speak up. But to get that, that courage and to move past the concerns, the doubt, mm-hmm. the worries, the fears about how you're going to look or sound and will I make sense, tr- trying to put that together, I love ushering that kind of thing out of someone. So mm-hmm. helping them find their voice, helping them feel, have have the body tools to take the fear, the intensity, that the mm-hmm. thing that they've labeled as fear, um, because it's just intensity. Right. It really is intensity. It is your body showing up to serve. And we are afraid of that feeling. And, and that, that feeling, I, I often, when, when coaching with a client, I'll say, if you've ever seen the Grand Canyon or something amazing, I, I saw a whale jumping out of the ocean or, right. or I saw a, a lion I, um, on safari. D- just those moments when it's like fear and then it's awe. And I want to just change mm-hmm. that feeling to let, let's not call every, let's not label it fear because then we treat it as such. Mm-hmm. Rather, your body is showing up in courage. It is meeting the intensity of what's mm-hmm. needed in that moment. And I want, in the, in the work I do, I love just getting folks to transmute that feeling into serving right what needs to come out to putting that that courage to unmute and speak up and yeah. and tell what's on their hearts and to move that through the body and sometimes we need some somatic movement to help anchor in the the physical safety so that we can find our words and say what needs to be said and speak on what matters most to us mm. the courage will keep things going and keep you moving ahead because the fear is, is there, but, and but it's not going anywhere. You know, it's not, it's going to be right. It's right there. But I love the, I love the way that you like the word intensity because it is intense, you know, but, yes. but it is the intensity, but how to use that intensity or relate to the intensity as a way to give you like the fuel for you to be at, to, to speak, the fuel for you to act, the fuel for you to, to step forward, the fuel to you to stand. Love that. Friends with it. that there, you're right. like, oh, there you go, here to support me. Come on. I must right. be doing something big or needed or necessary. Yes, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. If you weren't, then fear doesn't show up, actually. Fear's only present when you are taking on something big, challenging, that feels outside of you in some way. Otherwise, fear isn't there. Fear's not there when I'm making a cup of tea. I mean, no. it's not right? You no, know? It's, it's there, and it's there just to meet the experience. But mm-hmm. when we label it something, and then we relate, oh, when I get to speak or when I want to do something, I fear. I, yeah, how about we call it something else? Because right. it, let's get curious about it, because what does it feel like? Is it... Is it in fact fear? Let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it together. And when we shine a light on something, it dissipates its power. I, I think it takes courage to say no. It takes courage to show up. It takes courage to rest. It takes courage to do something different and slow down. It takes courage to ask yourself how you feel it and slow down and wait for an answer mm-hmm. and not 
prescribe how you need to feel. Right. Actually, just what do I feel? Yeah. It takes and it takes courage to admit that you're not okay. Yes. Yes. I wish more people would yeah. because it's not weakness. It's courage to say, you know what, I'm not okay. It is so yeah. powerful to be that kind of vulnerable, and we've gotten that message that it makes us we look weak mm-hmm. that and that somehow we're supposed to be robotic and and to just keep going and driving, and that has not worked no. it, it doesn't work it's killing us mm-hmm. I don't want to do that i really i I don't want to see others do that. And I think it's a beautiful time where there's enough knowing about, enough presencing of people who are not okay that folks can can say that. They can decide that's too much. Mm-hmm. Actually can't work that hard. Right. I, I, I need some rest. Right. I, I need to consider my own mental health. It's okay to say these things and to be a stand for oneself. And yeah, it takes courage because everybody is not there in that kind of caring. But I think self-care where you literally become an advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. and create some really healthy boundaries and not celebrate being overworked and overtaxed. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you had some words for our listeners about what advice you would give them, what would they be? There's a quote of mine that I'm proud of, that there are no good, bad, light or dark emotions, only emotions that need to be fully acknowledged and expressed. Mm-hmm. And with regards to grief, Jamie Anderson is quoted as saying, grief is love with nowhere to go. Mm. I want to share these two quotes because there's a lot of grief out there and the grief needs to be cradled like a newborn baby. And I want people to walk away with this idea of slowing down and acting as if they were holding a newborn baby in their arms and how they might rock it gently and take all the time it needs during this precious time. And then if they could Take that somatic experience of what it's like to cradle and gently rock a newborn baby baby that's resting. And then imagine if they are giving themselves that kind of grace. There's so much grieving going on. It, it It's important to me to speak to a exercise someone can do when grieving mm. and to give themselves that experience. With regards to emotions, to not bottle them up or tuck them away and to find safe spaces for the outlets that's needed because it's saving lives. It's saving lives and making it possible to live fuller, more vibrant lives that are, that are, that's full of laughter and not just laughter. There's all the whole gamut of emotions, but to feel that you can express these and you are meant to do it. Mm-hmm. And that, so, yeah, that's what I'd like to, that it is okay to be emotional. It is, it's gotten a bad, bad rap and it's, it's really damaging the quality of life, the quality of the way we breathe. 
because of that comparison and that emotional calculating of whether I'm being too much. Mm-hmm. I, I encourage you to be too much. You have, you have to go, on, go on and be too much. <laughs> Excellent. That's so, well, I love, let's end on the, on that encouragement. I think, thank you so much. I, um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would, what's the best way that they could? The um, best way is to go to our website, theemotionalinstitute.com. Theemotionalinstitute.com. Please, I, I, I would love to share offerings, have you on the newsletter, follow us on social media. I'm Bernadette Pleasant, so you can follow me personally or my the the emotional institute brilliant thank you so much for this conversation for our time together and for your work your healing work is um so important and um like it always has been and then now it just feels that just just more critical and you know the path and the purpose that you're on is just like amazing so thank you thank you thank you thank you so much thank you so much to Bernadette for such a wonderful interview and for inspiring me and um and just it was just a wonderful connection and actually just when you when you follow her on Instagram you get so much out of her so she's got drivers produced by Cassandra Voltolina the music is by the wonderful Satoria Key back to me as the name suggests it's like how you return back to yourself when you come off your path and it's her personal story in there we're going to hear more about her when we have her on the show but you can download the song back to me from the she's got drive website there's a link there you can download the song says spend a dollar and support her you know the artists don't get much money when they when we listen to it on spotify so wherever you can buy music absolutely do that one other thing i wanted to talk about is share the show share she's got drive podcast with at least one or two people in your life this week if you do that every week imagine how the, the growth of this um show is going to be i love that you are a listener and some of you have been listening from the get-go and i appreciate you so much for that and i would love your help in growing she's got drive podcast i am up for expanding the conversation for women actually having the life that they dream about and that the life that they deserve and because your brilliance really is your birthright so if you can take a couple of minutes out of your day and look in your contacts identify two women that you're going to share the show with and do that right now and then after that if you haven't already rated and reviewed the show if you head over to itunes and just do that for me i'd appreciate and love you forever and so remember we are building a community of women who are going after their best life so keep driving towards your dreams and until next time i'll see you and i'm gonna head back to my work retreat bye